Hi there, I'm Martin Steller. I help nice people sell more. So I'm a coach and a consultant for ethical sales and business growth. Martin, welcome to the Growth Mentor Podcast. Having spoken with you in the past a few times, I'm amazed to have you here today to learn more about sales and high-value buyers. So could you tell us something we don't know about closing sales with high-value buyers? They are much easier to close than low-value buyers. And why is that? Because when somebody is a low-value buyer, they have a cost mindset. They are looking at an expense and they have to justify that. People who are looking at very uh, extensive packages, large programs, people who have a budget, they are very much of the investment mindset. So they are not looking at what's going out, but what it's going to bring them in return. And so the dialogue that you have with that buyer is going to be much more constructive. Instead of having to overcome all kinds of objections, they are going to involve you in figuring out whether or not this is the right decision and it's going to yield them the returns they want. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. This is, this is actually new for me. So yes. how do you separate qualified buyers and non-qualified buyers according to your way of thinking? It's uh, very personal. Everybody has their own rules. But a couple of um, ground rules that everybody, I think, should consider adopting is people who haggle. If the price is an objection, that's something you can discuss. But if they want to start lowering the price or they complain or the competitor is cheaper, that for me is instant no. If we go there, then we're probably not right for each other. Uh, people who don't show up on time. I'm very particular about punctuality. I think it indicates uh, a lot about the personality and also about the way the process is going to go forward. People start showing up late or uh, um, missing appointments. That's a big warning sign. Uh, people who fight for their own limitations. So, well, we can do it this way and we can implement that for you. And they go, yeah, but we've already tried that. Well, look, if you want to tell me why you are right and I am wrong, then why do I have to be in this room? Because you already know what is right. Um, so there is this learning what this other person is like and figuring out whether you are a good match or not. And so what I do, I tell people, create a list of reasons why somebody is disqualified. So people who waste your time, people who haggle, people who don't show up on time, uh, people who don't deliver the things that they said they need. There's all kinds of reasons uh, why somebody is in the end going to be a bother for you. All those reasons, put them on a list. I call that a no list. And when you see that show up in your life with a particular buyer, you can safely disqualify that person and move on to people who don't have any of the elements of the no list. So anybody listening, if you feel frustrated by some of the buyers, start collecting the reasons why you're frustrated, why you're not happy with them, why you let them go, why they make you frown when you see their email coming. Make that list, keep it near your, your computer, revise it frequently, and feel free to be a little bit aggressive about disqualifying people. Because look, you might think that you have to win this client, but this client actually has to win you because there's thousands of clients out there who might be willing to give you money, but there's only one you. You are the prize. So don't chase people. Don't try to win them over. Have your buyer qualify themselves for you instead of the other way around. You don't have to do a dog and pony show to be right for the buyer so that they say, okay, yes. No, you both have to prove that you are qualified to be in this working relationship together. You as well as the buyer.
And this is actually step no, step number one out of your uh, amazing approach that I have read about uh, in the past, and we have discussed again actually. So uh, you you just described how you can ignore a, a part of potential buyers that you, you shouldn't be paying attention to. So uh, I, I remember st- step number two is about paying attention to the other buyers now which are, and showing empathy and approaching them appropriately. Would you elaborate on that? Yeah, look, a lot of people who are um, in a seller position start going into pitch mode. Let me tell you what we have. Let me show you our deck. This is our process. These are the services, the prices, uh, the features and benefits and everything that's included. And when you do that, you might be completely off the mark. They might be sitting there wondering, when can I ask a question? Because I have this great concern that I need to address before I'm uh, need to, to have addressed before I'm open to talking about your services. So if you go into the pitch mode too soon, the chance is really, really uh, uh, high that you lose the buyer, you lose their interest. So instead, what you want to do is ask questions. Try to figure out what is wrong in this person's life, what they're stuck with, what the cost is of keeping the problem, so that you start to understand whether or not they're the right fit, what exactly they want solving, whether or not you can solve it. And at the same time, in asking those questions, you create the clarity that they need in order to get to a decision, right? a decision to buy or to not buy. And you cannot make a decision if you're confused. So when you position yourself in a sales conversation, as the person who serves the interest of the buyer, trying to help you uh, get a clear picture on exactly what is the problem, how big it is, how costly it is, and whether it's worth it to solve it, and you're welcome to tell me no if it is not right for you, then the buyer feels that you are being a steward over their situation and the goal that they want to achieve. And that puts them at ease, that creates trust. And it also demonstrates that you have the empathy that you need in order to actually understand their situation. So everything revolves around being really perceptive around uh, about the other person so that you can calibrate your messaging to what they need to hear, what they need to hear in order to get the clarity, the confidence, the trust, and uh, uh, to get to a decision, whether it's yes or no. And the decision is related to booking a call and joining a call and meeting you. So what's next there? I mean, I, I know there are some uh, psychological models that uh, somebody can apply during um, those calls and mm. some frameworks that can be followed in order to take this to the next step. Yeah, well, when, when I'm on uh, a call with people, also before uh, I get on the call, if uh, uh, a contact starts by email, for instance, um, there's a framework I learned from uh, Taki Moore, a coach in Australia. And he talks about fears, frustrations, wants, and aspirations. And I've always found that very useful. So when you are talking to your buyer, try to identify the three biggest fears that they have. What are they afraid of? That something won't get fixed, that something will stay stuck, that something breaks, that something gets worse. Try to understand the three fears. And what single frustration does that turn into? Right? The, the three fears add up to one frustration. So... Um, If you sell a website, maybe they're afraid you're not going to deliver on time. They're afraid that your uh, uh, the website that you build won't convert, and they're afraid that their whole um, uh, investment will be a waste. And they're frustrated because they've been trying to get a better website for so long, 
and they've even invested money and got wrong results. Then you get the wants and the aspirations. What is it that this person wants? What are the three main desires that they have? I want a website that works. I want a website that doesn't bloody fall over all the time and break. And I want a website that I can easily operate myself and configure things, add things without having to go through complicated menus. Good. What do they aspire to? What is their uh, main encompassing aspiration over those three uh, desires? Well, it is that my website finally becomes a tool that I can leverage as an asset in my business. That is my uh, aspiration. So those fierce frustrations, wants and aspirations, they help you get a very good like x-ray view on what life is like for your buyer. Because as a seller, you're not here to convince somebody. It's not your job to convince or persuade or um, uh, win anybody over. Your job is to figure out whether or not you are right for them and they are right for you. And you do that by getting this x-ray that really shows you, you, you want to learn your people, right? You should position yourself as a student of this individual, as if you were an anthropologist. That's why I always say, learn your people. But then the one thing on top of those four items, the fears, frustrations, wants, and aspirations, goes back to something that Steve Jobs said, that people don't buy uh, a product, uh, they buy a new version of themselves. And that is really powerful. So we all have this way of seeing ourselves in the world, right? I am Martin and I do this and I stand for this and I stand against that. That is me. Now, if I buy something, how does that change the person I am? What is the identity that I aspire to? What is going to shift in me in the way I perceive myself in the world and the way I relate to people? And if you can identify that in the buyer, like what, what is going to be the fundamental undercurrent shift in, in their position in the world? then you can bypass all the trying to convince and persuade and explain and win them over and simply appeal to that next version of themselves. So fears, frustrations, what are their wants and their aspirations, and what new next version of themselves would they like to step into? And are you the one to facilitate that change for them? Do those principles apply to, I guess they can be adjusted to various different industries, right? Hmm. Like any type of... Um sales interactions yeah i mean i don't want to say it's universal for everything and everyone but i can't just now think of an example where it doesn't apply i mean everybody has things that they're afraid of and things that they want and everybody buying something uh, uh does something that changes their identity and self-view yes definitely martin thank you very much for explaining this complicated and challenging process in the startup world Mm -hmm. and probably in the digital world as well, generically, uh, in a few simple steps that uh, can get us going. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you very much.